Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. It's good to see you this morning. Isn't it fun to be able to, to greet one another and uh, to do so in Christian love and, and just to know that we're part of the family of God? I think that's such a beautiful thing. I don't know if you know this or not. It's very much of a sidebar, um, but the word greet in the New Testament where Paul instructs the body of Christ to greet one another. Uh, not to get too technical, but it's in the middle voice. And what he's saying is, as you are rightly related to the Lord, and as you yield to the Lord, then God in and through you will begin to give a love in you and through you towards one another. And so you will become very aware of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, and you will begin to greet one another in God's love, in God's timing, and in his power. I've always been amazed by that because there's something special when the body of Christ comes together and begins to greet one another. There's a love, there's a genuineness, there's a transparency, there's an affection, uh, there's hope, there's joy, there's peace. It's really beautiful to watch. And so I just want to commend you for that because it's always fun for me to be able to watch the body of Christ greet one another in the love of Christ because I know that's an expression of God's love not only in us but also through us. Well, it's the new year. What are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? I, I don't know about you, but I've got a whole laundry list. Probably at the top of that list because it's so immediate and because uh, right now, at this particular moment in time, the Dallas Cowboys are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> I have a laundry list of uh, Super Bowl in the future. Any Dallas Cowboy fans out there? Come on, let's, give me a break, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> for those of you who aren't Cowboy fans, God bless you. I'm so sorry about Denver. I really am. Um, I like Denver, but, you know, you won because you had a Cowboy on your team. Anyway, the, the Cowboy and Denver fans will understand that, but, you know, and you may have another one next year, too. <laughs> that might be the case. Anyway. There's all kinds of things that we look forward to, right? And we all go through the resolution thing. How many want to try to lose weight? Don't raise your hand. I mean, I, hey, you gave me so much chocolate at my birthday, I'm like chocolated out. I honestly think for the first time in my life, I'm looking at chocolate going, I don't think I can go there right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gave us that thing. It was like five inches thick and two pounds. I ate it in one day. It was crazy. I do love chocolate. Christmas has been a wonderful time, hasn't it? Be with family and friends and, and to be able to just celebrate the season for the truth of what it's all about. But as we look into a new year, there's all kinds of things that we kind of tend to think of. We tend to reflect. We go back and look at the, the history of what's happened. We kind of run through that in our minds. This last year was amazing to me. I mean, I, it went so fast, I don't even know where it went. I'm still kind of in 015. Actually, I'm still stuck at that bad call uh, against Des Bryant in the Green Bay. <laughs> I'll get off the Dallas thing, but. I slept good last night. <laughs> I don't know. I had coffee and everything, so I'm ready to go. I don't, we said we were going to be an hour service, and that may not be the case. With all, due, all, all sincerity, we look back and we look at what God's done and we, we look at the things that have taken place and we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? And when we look forward, I think as believers, we look forward with hope. We look forward with joy, with expectancy. Or well, we should. 
Because we know who's in control. We know who holds the next five minutes, much less the next hours, much less tomorrow, much less all the details of this coming year in his hands. He's the Lord God Almighty, as Revelation puts it. And that word almighty literally has the idea that he holds everything in his hands. Everything. Think about that. So we can look forward with hope and we can look forward with joy and whatever it is that you have with expectation for this new year. Maybe it's some resolutions. Maybe it's some things that you look back on and you go, you know what? I would have liked to have seen this happen or I'd like to have done this better or boy, the Lord's pointed out a weakness in my life and so therefore, and whatever that looks like, you begin to walk in it. In the midst of it all, I think fundamentally the issue is how are we rightly related with the Lord and how are we rightly related, therefore, with one another? Because we can get all caught up in the activity. We can get all caught up in our expectations. We can get all caught up in, in effect, if I can use another uh, football analogy, scoring a touchdown before we actually catch the ball. And there comes a moment where, in the midst of everything, before we experience the fruit before we experience what God has for us, before we experience all the things that we'd like to see take place, we have to make sure that our hearts are yielded to the Lord, that we're trusting him, walking with him, that it's out of faith, that we're persuaded that he's able in spite of what we can see, what we can measure, in spite of what we think, that in the midst of it all, whatever this year holds for us, that we're walking with our Lord step by step, moment by moment, and we're walking with one another in unity. And we're careful to preserve the unity that we already have. We're careful to acknowledge to one another our need of the Lord and to confess sin to the Lord and to confess sin to one another. We're careful to make sure that in the midst of our lives right now that we're walking in purity and in God's ways according to his power and strength, according to his grace. Just some thoughts on this because I think as we kind of come into a new year and we look at it and we, we have all this hope and expectation, maybe even fear at times of what this new year is going to hold. There are several things. First of all, we have three main enemies. <laughs> now we have an enemy, which is the devil, right? Satan. We know that. But there's really three. There's the world, the flesh, and Satan or the devil. The world, the world system. And the question for a new year, perhaps, is how is the world impacting our walk with the Lord and one another? How are we being pressed into the mold of the world rather than being metamorphosized from the inside out by Christ? How's the world impacting us? What decisions are we making that are allowing the world to press us into its mold? And secondly, the flesh, which is our problem. It's our issue in the sense that it's from within us. Right? How are we walking by the Spirit versus walking by the flesh? How are we learning to yield day by day, moment by moment, our attitudes and our thoughts and our actions, everything about us, our lives, 
to the Lord? How are we learning to sense the Spirit of God through the Word of God as the Spirit of God uses the Word of God in order to direct us, in order to show us the way that He would have us to walk? And how are we learning to walk by the Spirit? In other words, how are we learning to walk according to His power and His strength in His way and in His time? How are we doing that? Lastly, the devil. Have we given the devil a place? In Ephesians, he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil. Don't give Satan an opportunity. And that literally has the picture of don't allow him to pull up a chair to the table. Don't give him a place at the meal. Don't allow Satan to have a place in your life. So if there's unconfessed sin or if there's decisions that are being made that you're being uh, somehow conformed, pressed into the mold of the world, or, or somehow you're not walking by the Spirit, you're walking according to the flesh, you're going to be giving the devil an opportunity, a place. How do we say, Lord, be in us what we're not? How do we as individuals, as families, as a church family say, there's no place here for that? That's not from the Lord. We will not go there by God's grace. Let me give you five flags to help mark the new year, kind of keep us on course, maybe give you some thoughts in terms of how do you fix your eyes on some of the most essential things. And I think the most essential one is the first one. It's acknowledging daily the presence of Christ. How do we practice the presence of Christ moment by moment daily. I don't care whether you're by yourself or with your family. I don't care whether you're going to a movie. I don't care whether you're driving up academy. It doesn't matter where you are. You may be at work. How are we practicing the presence of Christ in the midst of our lives? Secondly, are we confessing our sin? Because see, if we're practicing the presence of Christ, the the rest of these, the other flags, will immediately become part of the outflow of our walk with the Lord. When we begin to practice the presence of Christ, we begin to practice who he is and understand that he's holy, then sin has no place. And we become very sensitive to the Holy Spirit's convicting us of sin. How are we confessing? How are we agreeing with the Lord concerning sin? How are we yielding our way to his? How are we yielding our way to his? We all have our plans. We all have what we think ought to happen. We all have our goals and our purposes and our direction. How are we allowing the Lord to shape those into what he wants? That's the question. Fourthly, how are we encouraging one another in love? I say that as individuals within families and certainly within the body of Christ as the family of God. How are we encouraging one another? Are we tearing things down or are we walking with the Lord in such a way that God in and through us begins to lead us in encouraging one another? In other words, building one another up. How are we doing that as a body of believers? How do we do that as families? And lastly, but clearly not least... How are we walking with the Lord, practicing his presence, and as a result, we're sensitive to those around us who don't know the Lord, and we're willing to be used by him to proclaim his gospel of grace. Proclaim his gospel of grace. First, acknowledge daily the presence of Christ. I love Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says that he would grant you, that he would give to you freely and abundantly according to the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that, now he's talking to believers who are already saved, who Christ has already come to dwell within. But he takes it even a bit deeper. He takes it even a bit further. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's not saying that Christ isn't there. He's saying, how much of your heart does Christ own? How much of the house is he actually welcomed within? He's already there. It's all his. But the question is, our response and attitude towards him. How are we practicing the presence of Christ in every room of our heart? In the, in the room of emotions, in the room of, of what we watch, in the room of relationships, in the room of activities, whatever it may be. How are we practicing the presence of Christ who dwells within us? Are there particular closets in our life that we really don't feel very comfortable with the Lord walking into? And maybe this year, the Lord's saying, you need me to come into that closet because I'm the only one that can clean it up. I'm the only one that can deal with it. And he'll do it lovingly, he'll do it gently, he'll do it kindly, he'll do it graciously, because that's who he is. But how are we practicing that? Are we allowing him to do that? Romans 8, 11, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. (laughs) What an amazing truth. So God dwells within us. And as believers, as we look at a new year, and as we look at what perhaps God has for us, the question is, are we practicing the presence of our Lord? Do we recognize that the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit himself lives within us, and is every room of our heart open and available to him whenever he wants to walk in, for whatever reasons he wants to walk into it? And are we willing to say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Well, everything else flows out of that, I would suggest. Because it always and always will start with our relationship with the Lord. But maybe the Lord walks into a particular room of your life, my life, and all of a sudden we recognize that there's sin. Or perhaps we trip and stumble. Because as believers, we're prone to do that. We're not perfect Galatians 5.19 says the deeds of the flesh are evident. And you can go through that list. Evident, obvious. Outbursts of anger are obvious. Whatever else you want to talk about that's not from the Lord, it's obvious, it's evident, it's clear. It's sin. And 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins. Notice the if here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. There's an opportunity for us to agree with God. That's what the word confess means, to agree with God about sin. When we've missed the mark, when we haven't walked by faith, when we're not walking in obedience to the Lord, when we're walking outside of what his will for us as his children is all about, then at that moment, the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of sin, of missing the mark, because he wants what's best for us, and he wants us to come back to himself. We need to acknowledge it and agree with him that it truly is sin. And the promise that's attached with it is 
beautiful and we all need this. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every specific deed where we've tripped and stumbled, where we haven't walked in alignment with the Lord. He is faithful and righteous to cleanse us from that. We're not talking about getting resaved. We're not even talking about getting saved here. We're talking about the people who are saved walking in the reality of their salvation. And what a beautiful truth that is. How good the Lord is to us. Are we willing to confess sin in this new year? Are we willing to keep short accounts with God? When God immediately comes to us, when we, when we trip and stumble, are we quick to say, yes, Lord, I agree with you. That was sin. Forgive me and move on <laughs> because praise God, the promise is true. He cleanses us. He forgives us of it and we don't have to wallow in it. We don't have to play the victim. We can stand up, brush off in God's grace and strength and move on and praise the Lord for that. There are sins of omission and sins of commission, meaning sins that we're supposed to have done something, but we haven't. Commission, we've done something that we shouldn't have. One of the most difficult things is getting right with one another. We love to kind of box that out. We love to say, Lord, I've sinned against you, but (laughs) I don't think I need to go and tell them about it. There's a funny little comic strip called Calvin and Hobbes. Have you ever done that? I I can't say that I read comic strips. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't get the paper. I, I watch it on TV, you know what I'm saying? But this one was pretty good. The scripture teaches us that if a brother or sister repents, meaning changes their mind about something they've done, we're to forgive them. In a Bill Watterson comic strip, the cartoon character Calvin says to his tiger sidekick Hobbes, I feel bad that I called Susie names and hurt her feelings. I'm sorry, I did it. Maybe you should apologize to her, Hobbes suggests. Calvin ponders this advice and then replies, I keep hoping there's a less obvious solution. We can laugh about that, right? Because it is funny, but the truth of the matter is, is it really does hit home to the mark sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes we need to, yes, get right with the Lord first and foremost, but I would suggest we also, as the Lord leads, need to get right with one another. Thirdly, we yield our way to his. Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Present means all the time, constantly. Every opportunity that comes up, you present. Every circumstance that you're in the midst of, no matter what it may be, you have an opportunity to say, Lord, I yield my life to you. I present myself to you. And he makes it very clear how a living and holy sacrifice. What is it that we are to do? We are to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. And what is this? It's our spiritual service of worship. It's the most reasonable thing to do. Why? Because of chapters 1 through 11 in Romans, everything that God has done for us, the most reasonable response in the midst of the circumstances of our lives is to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Whatever you choose, whatever you want, I'm willing to follow. I'm scared to death of what it may hold. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know how they're going to treat me, and I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen here. And there's a cost that I'm fearful about, but it doesn't matter. Lord, I present myself to you because you're in control. You're the Lord, and you gave yourself for me. So it's the most reasonable thing for me to do. Are we willing to do that? In Romans 1.17, he says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous man shall live by what? Faith. Faith is simply the persuasion that God is able. God is able. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. God is able. I'm not sure how we're going to cross this Red Sea. God is able. I don't know how we're going to get through the walls to attack Jericho. God is able. In the midst of life, in the midst of whatever circumstance you may be facing financially, stuff you may be facing, relationship stuff, you may be facing all kinds of stuff, God is able, God can, and we need to trust him. So in the midst of life, we practice his presence, we confess sin. In the midst of that, we yield our way to his. God sometimes calls us to things that doesn't make sense to us. But are we willing to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. And to walk by faith. To walk by faith. Fourthly, we encourage one another in love. Folks, we need that, don't we? Don't we need encouragement from one another? Because in the path, when we suddenly begin to walk by faith, and, and suddenly we're surrounded by all kinds of stuff, and we're not sure how to figure this thing out. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to work. God's called us to something. And, and if we're by ourselves, generally speaking, we start to shrink from that. We start to pull back from that because we can convince ourselves real fast that that really wasn't the Lord that we heard. Anybody out there agree with me on that? Of course. And so we need one another. We need the family to come alongside and say, brother, sister, this is what the word of God says. And I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Encourage means to build one another up. In Romans 14, 19, Paul writes, he says, so then we pursue the things, pursue the things. I love that thought. You chase after it. You hunt it down. Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another, the encouraging of one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, I love this commendation of the Thessalonian believers. He says, therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as also you are doing. What Paul's saying to him is keep on keeping on. Don't stop. Keep on. Keep encouraging one another. Keep building one another up. Challenge one another to follow Christ. God is in control. In Ephesians 4.16, perhaps my favorite, he's speaking about the word of God and the importance of the word of God to the body of Christ and equipping the body of Christ. And in verse 16, he says, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. How? In love. In love. What a beautiful truth. 
See, as we practice the presence of the Lord, as we keep right accounts with the Lord, as we confess and agree with him concerning our sin, as we yield our way to him, God in us begins to transform us, and we will begin to encourage one another. And the body of Christ is knitted together in such a way that every individual part becomes absolutely essential to the health of a local body of believers. And as a result, God begins to work in such a way that the Lord's love begins to be revealed through the body to one another, and the body is built up. What a beautiful truth. When that begins to happen, folks, I would suggest there's a testimony to the world that nobody can deny. Nobody can take credit for it, and nobody can deny it. Because <laughs> it's the Lord. It's what God's doing. And we have the opportunity to proclaim his gospel of grace. Matthew 28, 19, 20, you know this well. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them about what Christ has done for them at the cross, what he's done for us. Share with them what it is that the Lord has done, what the Lord's will is that they would be saved, what his desire is that they would know him, that they'd be reconciled to him. Bring them to the cross. But don't just leave them there. What does he go on to say? Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, what a beautiful promise. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wow. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter puts it this way, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense, to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. What a beautiful truth. See, as we practice the presence of the Lord, as we open up every room of our heart to him and he comes in and then he begins to expose perhaps sin in our lives and we agree with him in it and then we yield our way to him and then God begins to produce his love in and through us and we begin to encourage one another. The world, the testimony from the body of Christ to the world is that Jesus really has come in order to save. And we have the opportunity when people come to us and ask us, what's this hope that you've got? We have an opportunity to say, oh, friend, let me tell you about my Lord. <laughs> let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. And the testimony is backed up by the beautiful bride of Christ who is walking in unity together to where people look past our testimony and they see the body of Christ and they say, oh, wow. Your testimony is amazing, but it's strengthened even more because I see the family of God encouraging, forgiving, walking with you in the midst of life. And I have no explanation for it other than that it's Christ. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.